Good evening, everybody. Uh, welcome back to our uh, our Acts Bible study. Uh, we're going to pick up where we left off uh, last week in chapter 27 of the book of Acts. Uh, I, <laughs> I think it's funny. Uh, I feel like as we're doing these, you're getting a, a like a time-lapse video of someone who can't get their hair cut. <laughs> so uh, I, I thought that was funny. Uh, since my hairdresser is, is listening to me, my hairdresser, uh, the lady that cuts my hair, she is uh, closed for business right now. And uh, so my hair keeps getting longer. So as you watch these, you can laugh about that. Um, I also wanted to share a little story. Maybe it'll be some encouragement to you. Uh, my grandmother, uh, passed away last year, went home to be with the Lord. And, uh, I just get excited when I think about the things she's seeing right now. But, uh, my grandmother used to keep, uh, cards for different times of the year, uh, that she would, she kept a stockpile of those and she would send cards, uh, like for, uh, our birthday or Christmas or, uh, Valentine's Day, just just different times of the year, and my mom was going through some of those cards here in the last week or so, and uh, she decided she would send us cards. When I say us, I'm talking about my wife and two kids, and uh, you know we live in a in an age where uh, we, technology allows us to communicate with our friends and our family, uh, text message, FaceTime. Uh, all these different things, and those are those are good things. But my mom felt led to do it the old-fashioned way, uh, so she took some of those cards and uh, sent uh, us cards individually. My wife, my two kids, and uh, some of them were uh, Halloween. Uh, mine, in particular, was a Christmas card, and Mama scratched out. <laughs> Uh, words that were appropriate to the holiday, just as a, a simple greeting, cheer you up card. And we, we had a, we, we really laughed hard when we got those in the mail. Uh, so I thought that was kind of neat. Uh, that's something you can do uh, while we're separated. Um, kind of, it's, it's a throwback to the old, old way of doing things, uh, sending a note, sending a letter or what have you. And when you use those cards that are not um, appropriate for the time of year. Uh, just for an example, mine was a Christmas card, but it had a message for the day in it. So that's something you can do uh, that'll put a smile on somebody's face. Uh, but but before we get into uh, God's word here, uh, I want to open us with a word of prayer. Uh, so let's do that now. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you so much, Lord, for uh, being able to uh, gather here even though we're not together, Lord, we're able to gather virtually. God, we're thankful for uh, the, the wisdom and the technology, uh, the wisdom in the technology that you've given uh, to people to accomplish this in times such as these. Lord, I ask that you would bless our time together, Lord, as we open your word, as we're fed from it. Uh, Lord, that you may be glorified, for it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. Last week, we left off on verse uh, 26 of chapter 27 here in the book of Acts. And uh, I always like to back up just a little bit and kind of remind people 
of what's going on. And if you'll recall, uh, Paul and uh, Julius the centurion uh, and a bunch of uh, prisoners and soldiers and different ones are on a ship, and Paul is on his way to Rome uh, as a prisoner. And they have, um, uh, we, we learn that the, the time of the year in which they're doing this is, is not real conducive to uh, safe sea travel. Uh, they're in the late fall of the year, and, and this part of the Mediterranean, storms can blow up. And that's kind of where they are. Uh, they had stopped at a place called Fair Havens, and uh, they were, uh, Paul uh, suggested that they winter there, but uh, the centurion Julius, uh, he, he, he uh, leaned towards the advice of the captain of the ship, and the owner of the ship, that they would continue on. And uh, Paul warned them that that would not be a good idea. And sure enough, as they uh, struck out from Fair Havens, uh, a storm blew up, and they began to be afraid. Uh, they were terrified. They were out on the sea, and they're on a pretty good-sized ship at this point, and it's an imperial grain ship, and there's about close to 300 men on this ship, and the winds are blowing it all about, and they're afraid. And uh, Paul, uh, an angel of the Lord, uh, appears to Paul and, and, and reminds him, of uh, the fact that God, uh, divine providence, God wants him in Rome, and God wants him to uh, speak before Caesar. And he tells them all in, 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 in verse uh, 25, this is Paul addressing uh, the soldiers and the crew, and he tells them, therefore, take heart, men, therefore, he's telling them this because God has already uh, uh, ordained, backing up in verse 34, the angel tells him, do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God has granted you all those who sail with you. Then he tells him, therefore, take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told to me. So he's encouraging them right here. He's telling them, look, y'all, don't be afraid. Uh, God is going to take care of us uh, because God wants me to appeal before Caesar. And in verse 26 here, where we left off, he says, however, we must run aground on a certain island. Now, we're going to pick up here in verse 27, uh, and we'll just begin reading right here. It says, now, when the 14th night had come, as we were driven up and down the Adriatic Sea, about midnight, the sailors sensed that they were drawing near some land. And they took soundings and found it to be 20 fathoms. And when they had gone a little farther, they took soundings again and found it to be 15 fathoms. So let's stop right there and talk about those verses. Uh, now, when the 14th night had come, they'd been out there in the midst of this storm uh, 14 nights. In other words, two weeks they've been out here being driven up and down. It says the Adriatic Sea. However, uh, the Adriatic Sea that Luke is referring to here in Acts is not the Adriatic Sea as we know it. But this is an area uh, of the Mediterranean Sea uh, and not uh, the Adriatic as we know it today. It says, in the, at midnight, the sailors sensed that they were drawing near some land. Now, how in the world did they sense that? Well, we've got to think about who these men are. They're sailors. They're experienced. They know what's going on. Possibly they could hear uh, breakers of the waves hitting land. 
they, 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 they felt like they were getting close to land. So in verse 28 says they took soundings and found it to be 20 fathoms. Now, for those of you that don't know, a fathom is approximately six feet. Uh, so uh, do, the, do the math on that. And it says 20 fathoms, so they're looking at roughly 120 feet of water. Now, how in the world do they take soundings? What is that? Well, that is a weight attached to a rope. They drop it over the side, and they see how far down it goes. Pretty simple, but effective. Uh, but they uh, thought they were near land, so they said, well, we're going to check and see how deep it is. So they uh, run the uh, rope and weight over there, and they realized that it's 20 fathoms, and it says, and when they had gone a little farther, they took soundings again and found it to be 15 fathoms. So uh, logic would tell you, and it told these sailors here, look, we're getting closer to land. It's getting shallower and shallower here as they go. Let's look what else it says. In verse 29, it says, then fearing lest we should run aground on the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. Now, when it's talking here about uh, praying for day to come, these are the sailors that are doing uh, the praying. Uh, as it began to get more shallow, they thought, you know, we might run aground, so we better do something about it. Uh, so they dropped four anchors from the stern, from the rear of the ship to stop the ship from going. And it says, remember at this time, they're being uh, blown about by the storm. Uh, so we got to remember here that these sailors here were pagan. They were not Christians. They were not believers. Uh, so they began to pray uh, to their, their gods for daylight. They're afraid. They're scared. Let's look at what happens here in verse 30. It says, and as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship, when they had let down the skiff into the sea, under pretense of putting out anchors from the prow. So we have a, uh, sailors right here that are uh, praying to their false gods, their pagan gods. They're scared, and they're thinking of a way that they can escape this ship. They're thinking, you know what? This thing is going to be busted all to pieces, and we need to get off of it. If you remember last week, it says they brought the skiff aboard and they, they secured it. Well, in order to place anchors from the prow or the bow, the front of the ship, it requires that you put the skiff in the water and then you put the anchors out. But what the sailors were thinking is, you know what? We're going to do that and we're going to stay in this little boat and we're going on and we're going to leave them here. Uh, it shows us that they did not put a whole lot of faith in these false gods that they were praying to. Let's look on in verse 31. Paul is going to speak. He's going to issue a warning. Uh, Paul figures out their plans. He discerns their plans, and he's going to report it to the centurion Julius. Verse 31 it says, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. And the soldiers cut away the ropes of the skiff, and they let it fall off. This reveals uh, how respected uh, Paul had become to Julius and these centurions, uh, how uh, they listened to Paul. They're beginning to listen to him now as he is advising them, where before 
uh, last week, we learned that they did, wouldn't listen to Paul. They decided they wanted to listen to the sailors and they wanted to listen uh, to the captain and the owners of the ship and, and look where it, it has gotten them. And after Paul has, has encouraged them, letting them know, look, we're going we're gonna to make it. We're going to be all right. So they're going to start listening to Paul right here. So as they cut away the ropes of the skiff and they left, let it fall off, they're not going to let the sailors take off. Verse 33, and as day was about to dawn, Paul implored them all to take food, saying, today is the 14th day you have waited and continued without food and eaten nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take nourishment, for this is for your survival, since not a hair will fall from the head of any of you. Now, let's, let's just pause right there and look at what Paul is doing. They've been out on the sea. They've been tossed. They've been beaten uh, about for 14 days. And apparently they have not eaten anything. So why in the world would someone not eat? Well, if I were being tossed about on a ship, thinking that any moment uh, I was about to die, uh, sometimes when we're placed in a stressful circumstance such as that, uh, we're probably not going to eat anything. Uh, we're not going to want to nourish our bodies. And Paul is realizing this. He can look around. He can see, hey, these guys haven't eaten in two weeks, and they're going to need it. They're going to need to eat. And he's also encouraging them here in verse 34 where he says, uh, at the end of verse 34, he says, since not a hair will fall, from the head of any of you. Paul is displaying his face, faith to them. Uh, he's, he's hearkening back to phrases that were used uh, in the Old Testament, going all the way back to First and Second Samuel. Even the Lord Jesus used that phrase of not a hair will fall from your head, not a hair of your head will be harmed, uh, as Jesus was uh, speaking in, in Luke when he's talking about the end times and encouraging the disciples, Paul is doing the same thing here in verse 34. He's putting his faith into action. He's telling them, look, God has told me we're going to make it. We're going to be all right, but you do need to eat. Uh, we see uh, uh, Paul is using uh, practical knowledge along with his, his faith. Let's look at verse 35. And when he had said these things, he took bread he gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. When he had broken it, he began to eat. Now, this occasion uh, to eat right here is giving Paul an opportunity uh, to give a visible display of his devotion to the Lord, God, the giver of all good things. And as he is uh, taking the bread and as he is giving thanks here, in the presence of all of them, uh, he is taking on the role uh, of a father or of a host of a house here, uh, and he is offering a blessing, and he's distributing the food, and it says that they begin to eat. Now, when we read that verse of Scripture right there, uh, my, my, my mind begins to hearken uh, back to the feeding of the 5,000 where Jesus uh, took the loaves of bread and the fish, and he blessed it and he distributed it to uh, the disciples to distribute it to the people. I think about uh, the Lord Jesus where uh, he met the disciples on the road to Emmaus after he was 
resurrected from the dead where they shared the meal. It especially makes me think about the institution of the Lord's Supper. Uh, if you've joined us in uh, on any of our recordings of our uh, our sermons here over the last few weeks, we're talking about events just after the Lord's Supper. So here we have uh, Paul doing something similar right here. Now, the men aboard this ship, however, are not uh, taking the Lord's Supper. They were eaten for the sake of nourishment. Now, this uh, meal that they just partook of is not a sacred meal that they're sharing, but it is indeed a sacred moment. In verse 36, it says, Then they were all encouraged, and they also took food themselves. Keep in mind, uh, as we're reading through this, that these men were not believers. Uh, the sailors nor the soldiers, they were not believers. But Paul is demonstrating his faith uh, before them. <clears throat> verse 37 says, And in all we were 200 76 persons on the ship. So they got a pretty good crowd on this ship, pretty good group of people. That includes uh, uh, Paul and the prisoners. That includes uh, the Roman soldiers. Uh, it also includes the crew of sailors on board the ship. And verse 38 says, So when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and threw out the wheat into the sea. We've got a display of faith right here. They had eaten uh, Paul had told them, look, we're going to be all right. All of their stores of food, the things they had on the boat, they threw them overboard in order to lighten the ship. So now we see them in the midst of this storm. Uh, Paul has encouraged them uh, with the word that the Lord has given them. Uh, Paul has, using, has used um, uh, practical, common sense stuff right here, uh, along with... Um, the divine providence here to encourage these people. So daylight is about to come. So let's look here in verse 39, what it says. When it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they observed a bay with a beach onto which they planned to run the ship if possible. They let go the anchors and left them in the sea. Meanwhile, loosening the rudder ropes and they hoisted the mainsail to the wind and made for shore. So here we are. The men are encouraged. Uh, they've uh, had a meal. It is broken daylight. They can see everything that's going on. Uh, so they see the land, uh, the place that they're going. They see their objective. They see a, a, a bay in which they can bring the ship. They see a beach and they've got the idea, look, we're fixing to run this thing aground. So they let go of their anchors that were holding them, and they hoisted the uh, sails, and they're ready to go. They are ready to go to land. Now, I want to stop for just a minute and, um, and look at a couple of things right here. Um, and and we, we need to ask ourselves a question as we look at this, as we look back at Paul's example here, uh, his, his guidance as he's led these men here. And uh, what can we learn about leadership in secular situations, in real world situations, because uh, as we read the scripture, we see uh, we're living in a world that has, has been kind of turned upside down, if you will. 
uh, in the events of this virus that's going around. And there are people in our neighborhoods that are people in our own family that are afraid. So what can we learn by looking at Paul's example here? How can we lead as Christians? How can we lead in a world like this? Well, first of all, we need to understand that Paul uh, was a man of both spiritual depth as well as practical wisdom. We need to keep in mind here that Paul was not some uh, wild mystic, uh, some uh, man that didn't give thought uh, to, to, to common sense, if you will. You know, we, we, we've talked about uh, the passage of Scripture in 2 Timothy where uh, God does not give us a spirit of fear. Uh, but he gives us one of love and he gives us one of, of a sound mind. Uh, so Paul was a man of faith, uh, yet at the same time, he was a, a man of wisdom. He had real faith in a living God, not some uh, false God uh, that these uh, sailors worshiped here, but he had real faith in a living God. And that's going to give him confidence uh, that he needs to stay calm and to lead in spite of a serious, uh, stressful circumstance. He also has a Proverbs-like wisdom. When we read the word, uh, the, the book of Proverbs in Scripture, uh, it is a book of wisdom, and Paul has a Proverbs-like uh, wisdom uh, that has enabled him to give just basic uh, instructions to those that are in need. And we obviously have a group of people here that are in uh, you know, they're, they're so afraid that they haven't even been eaten, uh, eating for the last couple of days. And when we're in secular situations, when we're in uh, real-world situa uh, situations, uh, we really need to be leaders. Uh, uh, we uh, Christian people, not just pastors and deacons and so forth, but uh, everyday Christians, everyday believers, we need to be leaders who are both wise and in step with God. We need to serve as agents of hope in this world of darkness. Now, there's a man uh, by the name of John Stott, who was a theologian. He was a preacher. He was a, a, an author. And he wrote this about Paul, and, and I want to read this to you. It says, Paul was a man of God and of action, a man of the Spirit and a man of common sense. You know, so so often we tend to throw common sense out the window, but uh, the Lord has given us uh, the example of Paul right here, who was not only a man of faith, he lived it out. Uh, he didn't just talk about it. He lived it in front of people. He was also a man of common sense. The second thing I think we need to notice uh, when we what we can learn about uh, Paul's leadership in uh, this secular world, and Paul was truly in a secular situation here where he was surrounded uh, by worldly people. But Paul uh, also gives us a clear and appropriate testimony within uh, this situation. Now, as we read this, we don't we don't see any aggressive uh, evangelism, if you will, at work uh, as we read this story. Uh, but we do see Paul taking opportunities to point people to God. He speaks of his God in verse 23, 
before he speaks of God's promise. And what was God's promise as we read through this? That they were all going to make it. They were all going to make it to Rome. And later on, uh, as we've read through this story, we see where he gives thanks to God in prayer in front of all of these people. Uh, before he breaks the bread, uh, he gives thanks to God. You see, what we can learn from Paul right here in the midst of this story is that he spoke and that he prayed in the midst of a hopeless situation. And he's given these crews, uh, this crew of this ship and these soldiers, an alternate perspective. In other words, he's he's pointing them to God. He's pointing them to, uh, to the faith that he has in God. He's giving them something else to look at. He's given them a ray of hope. He's given them something important to ponder. We should take Paul's example as he's given us, uh, that he has given us uh, here, and we need to look for clear and appropriate ways to bear witness to Jesus in the public sphere in this world that we live in, in the secular world. So, uh, in verses 39 and 40, we see where uh, they have they, they can see the land uh, and they've decided, look, we're, 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 here we go. We're fixing to go. We're going to cut the anchors loose. We're going to free the, uh, the rudder and we're going to hoist the sail and we're going to the beach. Now look in verse 41. It says, but striking a place where two seas meet. Now, what in the world is that? Uh, <laughs> so as we read that, uh, a place where two seas meet. Uh, this is referring to either a reef or a sandbar or something. So they've they've hoisted that sail and that big strong wind is blowing them and they go driving ahead towards the beach, but they strike something. They strike a reef or they strike a, a sandbar or something. It says, and they ran the ship aground and the prow struck fast and remained immovable. So the front of the boat uh, run into this sandbar, run into this reef, whatever it was, it stopped it immediately, and it was stuck right there. It says, but the stern was being broken up by the violence of the waves. So picture this. The ship is going ahead, pretty sizable ship, and it's driving ahead fast, and it hits this, and it sticks, and the, and the bow, the front of the ship is stuck in it, and, and the violence of the storm behind it begins to slam against the back of the ship, and it begins to break it up. Verse 42 says, And the soldiers' plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim away and escape. Why in the world would they do that? They, look, they appear to be in a, in a, in a, a, a predicament right here. Particularly, particularly these soldiers. It says they plan to kill the prisoners lest any of them should swim and escape. So they're, they're in a position here. Okay, what do we do? Do we jump off the boat and swim for shore and leave the prisoners to do the same? Well, why in the world would they want to kill them? Well, the reason they would want to kill them was is if any of those prisoners did manage to make it to shore and they did manage to escape, well, then uh, those soldiers could face uh, face death uh, as as part of allowing a prisoner to escape. This was a serious deal back then. If if uh, a soldier was charged with keeping these prisoners and they escaped, well, then they could be put to death. So what do they do? They don't know what to do. They're in a 
They're in a quandary. But look what happens here in verse 43. It says, but the centurion, who is Julius, who is the one in charge of all the soldiers, wanting to save Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded that those who could swim should jump overboard first and get to land. I don't, I don't know what's going through uh, Julius's mind right here, but it is apparent from Scripture that he wanted to save Paul. It shows uh, Julius's uh, respect for Paul had grown. In fact, he may have even believed Paul's prophecy. I don't know, but uh, the, the centurion right here uh, ordered them, don't kill the prisoners. He told them to jump off and swim for shore. In other words, he told them, every man for himself, jump off, everybody swim for shore. Verse 44 says, and then we'll stop right here uh, on verse 44 before we get into chapter 28. Uh, verse 44, it says, and the rest, some on boards and some on parts of the ship. So in other words, the, the, the Julius told him, said, look, those of you can swim, jump overboard, swim for shore. That included the sailors, that included the prisoners, that included uh, the soldiers, the Roman soldiers. Jump over, swim for shore. And those of you can't swim, uh, the ship is being broken up by the, by the storm. So he's telling them, look, if there's something you can grab hold to and float on, by all means, get on it. Everybody head for shore. The last part of verse 44 says this. And so it was that they all escaped safely to land. What we see here as we read through this, uh, God had given Paul a word. We go all the way back where we, we learned that uh, God wanted Paul to go to Rome. He wanted Paul to appeal to Caesar. All this uh, came up. God assured Paul that you're going. He also uh, said that, look, these men are going to be saved. They're going to be rescued. Uh, so what we see here is that once again, God's word proves to be true. We can trust him. So what can we take away from this as we uh, learn, uh, as we've read tonight? First of all, we need to be like Paul. Uh, God has given us Paul for an example. Paul was a man of faith. Uh, Paul was a man that lived his faith. He lived it in front of others. Uh, Paul trusted God. Paul trusted God's word, what God told him. We need to do the same thing. We need to be uh, men of common sense, of calm, just like Paul was right here. And, Paul, and God's word is always true. It always proves itself to be true, and we can trust it. In spite of all the storms that are going on around us in our lives, in light of, 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 of this uh, pandemic that has gripped our nation, God's word proves true every time. And if we'll just be calm, if we will use our head, use that sound uh, judgment, that spirit uh, of a sound mind that God has given us and trust him, we're going to be okay. We're going to make it to shore. We're going to make it on to the uh, next step in, 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 our, in our lives that God has set forth 
before us. We're going to learn as we get into chapter 28 next week of just why uh, God wanted them to wreck that ship at a certain place, because we're going to see uh, God minister through Paul to a lot of different people here. So uh, that's where we're going to stop tonight. We'll pick up uh, next week on chapter 28. So glad you were able to join us here tonight, uh, praying that God will continue to bless you in a mighty way. But until then, uh, oh, I also want to remind you, uh, this coming Sunday, we're going to be doing our drive-in church again, and uh, all the video and audio from that will be available uh, Sunday afternoon. If you can, if you're close and you can come to Atlanta Baptist Church, we'd encourage you to come and 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 be a part of that. Uh, again, you have to stay in your vehicle, have to keep your windows rolled up. Uh, but but uh, uh, God has made a way for us to minister in that way. Uh, but we'll be back right here in chapter 28 next week. See y'all then. Bye.